Hi there, it's Melvin. Just wanted to take a moment to thank the team over at Thryzer for supporting this month's podcast sessions. Thryzer is a payment platform that you have to check out if you are a private pay therapist and accepting out-of-network benefits. It basically helps clients save on therapy up front. Thryzer can help verify a client's out-of-network benefit ahead of the first session so that they get transparency up front on what their out-of-pocket costs will be. I'll tell you more about Thryzer here in the middle of our session, but if you go to sellingthecouch.com forward slash Thryzer, you actually end, then enter the code STC upon sign up, you get your first $2,500 in fees waived. Again, that's over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash Thryzer, and be sure to enter the promo code STC. So we'll jump right into today's podcast session. Hello, hello. Welcome to session 269 of Selling the Couch. I hope that you are doing well and having a good day. As I record this, um, we are actually getting ready for spring because there's been a crazy amount of snow here in Philadelphia. In fact, it got so bad that we have this flower bed that's like in front of our house and we had to pile so much snow on top of this that I am actually not sure when this uh, snow pile is actually going to go down so that we can actually see the flowers blooming, but I'm really hoping that it's soon because we have gotten rain and uh, the weather is definitely getting warmer. Today's podcast session is a topic that I've been thinking about for a long time. We've definitely covered a general this general area, which is the fear of being seen and the fear of showing up and the fear of following the the mission and the purpose that you were put on this world for, whether it is in your personal life or your business, or that usually happens for us, that it's the intersection of both of those things. My guest today is Cindy Doyle. Cindy's website is at cindydoyle.com and codeforcouples.com. And Cindy, for the past couple of years, has had a really big vision. Um, Her partner is a law enforcement officer and her passion has always been working with with couples, especially who may have a partner that's in law enforcement and just sort of the unique stressors and challenges that law enforcement face. And Cindy, for a long time, battled and struggled with fear of showing up in that way, whether it would be, you know, doing things like workshops or speaking or any of those things. And, and it's definitely... I think Cindy would say that it's definitely a work in progress, but Cindy decided to not listen to that voice of fear, but instead respond and respond to that calling that she felt in her heart. And today we're going to talk about how she overcame and worked through some of these. More specifically, we're going to talk about how the idea for Code for Couples came about, one of the ways that she decided to to share her message. You know, the reality is, especially in this online space, there are just so many ways of showing up and how Cindy chose to do podcasting and how she continues to handle the fears and insecurities of being seen. This is something that I've learned, honestly, with Selling the Couch, that sometimes when you show up and 
are seen in the way that you want to be, new opportunities arise. And so it's sort of the beginning of a journey. And how do you continue to show up uh, despite fears and all of those different things? Hey, friends, we are on sabbatical from the STC podcast. This is my first sabbatical in seven years, but we will be back in April with brand new episodes of the STC podcast. In the meantime, there are a lot of things happening still with STC. Uh, Among them is a brand new workshop that we put together for you that you can sign up at a date and time that works for you. If you are a successful private practitioner and interested in launching an online course, you can check out that workshop over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash online course workshop. Again, that's sellingthecouch.com forward slash online course workshop. So we will get right to today's podcast session. Here's my conversation with Cindy Doyle from cindydoyle.com and codeforcouples.com. Hey, Cindy, welcome to Selling the Couch. Hey, Melvin, I'm so excited to be here. We have been trying to make this interview work for a long time, and uh, we've connected over email and and social media and all of these things, but I really am just so grateful this moment has finally arrived. I, You don't even know how excited I am. I'm very excited. I'm very excited to be talking to you. You were like the first podcast that I ever listened to, so I'm like, wow, I didn't know that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Man, there was a that had to be pretty early then because I had no idea what I was doing back then. I <laughs> kind of have an idea now, but I get it. I still have those moments where I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> but you have been just so busy, and you've one of the things I have so appreciated about you is you've created a very diverse career. And even when you know, I I don't want to put words in your mouth, but like I think for you. I must get the sense like private practitioner does not just mean seeing clients. It's actually based on this idea of service and how do I use my various gifts and abilities to serve in different ways? Yeah. Wow. I mean, that's such a beautiful way of saying it. And I think you just captured me in a little bit of a nutshell. I might have to record that later and use that for promotional purposes somewhere. (laughs) It's private practitioner, but then I have what I call my big idea fairy or Biff, Biff for short. So Biff (laughs) comes to visit and Biff has caused me to do all kinds of service, I think is what it is and, and trying to share with others what I have found out, what I know and my energy is a lot of it, I think. By the way, before I ask any more questions, I Mm -hmm. love the fact you have Biff and you have a name for it. I, on a serious note, I do feel like many of us have our version of Biff, right? Like the big idea Mm -hmm. fairy. We are very creative people. Uh, We are often trying to do, have big dreams, you know? And Mm -hmm. I know at least for me, especially like prior to starting STC, Mm -hmm. I would have a lot of these Biff moments, right? Where the fairy would come and I'd be like, this is, this would be such a good idea. And then I would talk myself out of it being like, yes, you know, someone's, someone's already going to do that. Nobody's going to listen to that or no one's going to buy that. How do you honor when Biff shows up for you? Well, I can't talk about how I honor Biff unless I definitely talk about how I did not honor Biff Mm. for a really, really long time, because I think that's really important. And you hit the nail on the head that 
I would have these magical moments. And I, I always think about this and I share this as a little bit of a joke, but very seriously, that when I was in college, I was cutting off my control top pantyhose. And if I had gone forward with that, I would be owning Spanx and not Sarah Blakely. Oh, wow. So <laughs> that is one of those things where I'm like, I was doing that. Why didn't I do something with it? I Biff would visit on a regular basis. And I think that what I was kind of given growing up as far as my values is you do something that's consistent. You do something that's stable. You get a job at Dell Computers. You work there for 25, 30, 40 years, and then, you know, you retire. And that's, those were the values that I was given. And so I think that part of Biff showing up was risk. And there are so many different components that I was, it was just scary for me to think about putting myself out there. And it wasn't just financial risk, but like emotional risk. And um, a lot of it was failure, which are components of trying something new and embracing something that's creative and this idea fairy that comes in sprinkles and all the, you know, lovely brain chemicals that go along with that because we get excited about new ideas and there's the whole concept of like there's a reason why all of our new year's resolutions fail right it's the work the ongoing work that goes a part of it too so i had to first kind of be willing to look at biff and see okay what is this and i would get excited and i'd maybe start a little bit and then i just peter out and exactly what you said it was that whole idea of like oh somebody else will do it or well this is this was this idea wasn't smart anyway and so the the very first part of it was being aware of like how do i stop myself from being successful and that was really hard for me to say, because I'm a really good, you can't see my air quotes, but I'm a quote unquote, good employee. So I do all the right things. But and so success as far as like climbing a ladder, because I worked for a nonprofit for 15, 17 years before I decided to go into private practice. So a lot of it was looking at, okay, what's involved with embracing that. And what I really realized is that it was my own fear. And I, I hate to simplify it and make it so simple, but it was my fear that stopped me from doing anything. And so what I've come around to is, and I say this to my clients now all the time, is like, what's the purpose for the fear? I've learned that I have to embrace the fear in order to be able to even allow Biff in my life and allow space for Biff because I have to let go of any kind of fear or not really let go of, I have to live with the fears what I do. <laughs> so, um, so it's kind of just part of what I do now is go, okay, well, let's brace ourselves and see what this is and, and where it wants to go. And I think there's some really defined action steps that I do now as a part of that process. So I don't know if you want to go there yet, or if yeah, you want to, let's, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, you said a bunch of stuff. So let me, these were so good. I actually want to like dive a little deep and then we'll definitely okay. go there. So yeah. you said one of the challenges was, oh, by the way, you mentioned Dell computer because you grew up in Austin. Right? Yes. So that was like your yes. model of, right. <laughs> right. I know this because we spoke about this before the interview, but just, just for the folks <laughs> that are listening, how did you, like even looking back or even seeing your common patterns, what are some of the ways that you stop yourself? Uh, procrastination, um, 
body tends to want to just shut down. Like you say that, and I, I'm, I've become more and more in tune with my body and what it is saying to me. And so like right now, as I'm, as I'm talking to you, like my throat wants to close up. That is one of, I've been very, become very aware of what prevents me. So one of the things, oh, one of the things that I do is that my body wants to stop talking. And so my voice gets silenced, which goes back to my own stuff, right? Of not speaking up at at various times in my life. And so I think that's part of like my body trying to keep me safe and saying, shh, be quiet. Don't say anything. Don't do that because that that'll be that'll be scary for you. You'll, there's danger there. Don't don't go that direction. So uh, I've I've really started a couple of years ago, probably three or four years ago now. Really started to pay attention to my body and what does my body do. That's one of the things that it does is my my throat kind of closes up. Uh, the other thing is I start to procrastinate. I don't. It becomes like not as exciting to oh let's get that blog out or let's get that social media post out or let's do that podcast or let's launch something, it becomes more drudgery and fear and anxious and anxiety comes up. And so then I kind of want to just sit on the couch or I want to do something safe. So one of my go-tos is, huh, do I need to take some more clients? Maybe I'll just stay in my office and I'll just do the client thing. Oh, that's interesting. So almost like using, uh, seeing clients because it's comfortable and safe as a way right. to actually avoid the risk. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. That is totally one of my things. And I've told my group that I work with, because I own a group practice, but I've told them and I'm like, hey, if I try to take more clients than this, then you need to start calling me out. <laughs> they're a part of my team now. And they're like, Cindy, stop it. But even like yesterday, I realized I was looking at my calendar and I kind of had this sweet spot where I've said I'd have like X number of clients. And I look at my calendar and I'm like, oh, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I need more clients. And then I'll start looking at our wait list and maybe I'll go and I'll call somebody off the wait list. And I'm like, dang it. That's what I just did. Because if I use the time for something else that I don't have the time to grow something big, right? So my body says, oh, this is safer. Stay in your room. You know how to do this. Nobody sees you in here. You know that you work well with clients. This is fine. Just stay here. What's the big deal? Why do you got to do something big? So all of the head trash in my head and the gremlins and kind of working through that and then working through the physical response of my body is really something I've had to become aware of and how I stop myself. I'm not the most calendar driven of people. And so I, I know that that's something else that I do, like not writing things down, not to, doing to-do lists. Like I start to slide off. And that's something that I've become aware of, like how I don't move toward the thing that I really want to be doing. That's uh, it may, It's such a great level of awareness because I, I feel like so many of us struggle with this. I mean, just even personally, right? Mm-hmm. I started this podcast, like, you know, in some ways, like very naively thinking like, oh, I'll just do some interviews and whatever. Right. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. You realize like, you know, podcasting is, is it's, it's a thing, you know, and it puts you in front of new opportunities. It puts you in front of new audiences and yeah, I mean, it's stuff that I've constantly, and I think still to some degree battle, which is as you step into these new areas, like feeling like you don't belong there, you know? Yeah. And, yes. and to your point, like, right, 
doing what's safe and what's comfortable and what I know how to do, right? Yeah, it's such a great insight. So I wanted to actually ask you, so you have Code for Couples. Mm -hmm. What is Code for Couples and how did this idea come about? Is this like when Biff showed up, I'm imagining? It, it was one of my Biffs that I really became passionate about. So Code for Couples is code and then the number four couples. What happened was that my my husband's a law enforcement officer and we had lots of ups and downs. And part of it was that I hit a wall in our community where we think that we need to be strong. And so as a spouse, what I'm, what I'm quote unquote supposed to be doing is I'm supposed to just tough it out a lot of times. And that's kind of what I was told by the old guard is that, oh, you're going to experience changes. You just need to go with it. And God, this is still really emotional for me. And you just need to suck it up. And there was a point in time in our relationship about 13, 12, 13 years in, and he had already become sullen, quiet, negative. I mean, you can imagine the conflict between a mental health professional and, and my outlook on suicide and maybe his outlook on suicide as an officer and how it's just a matter of inconvenience. And the conversation we had would be very dark and we would get into disagreements. And I'm like, I don't know if I like you anymore sometimes. And I just hit a wall and I would privately scream and cry. And he had no idea. And here I was a couples counselor. You know, I do individual and couples work. And I thought, wow, you know, I can't even, what's wrong with me? What's wrong with our relationship? And we, we started talking about it a little bit more. And, and he became aware, he would always talk about how other relationships would break up. And so it was one of those things, and you can get it maybe a little bit because you're from Texas, but we were in a deer blind and sitting in the deer blind, not shooting anything, by the way, guys, I didn't kill anything that day. You don't have to worry about it, but I'm sitting there in the quiet and I am thinking about, huh, is there anything I could do here? Can I go beyond my office? Because at that point in time, I had read a couple of books and I had kind of figured out, oh, there's this whole other world that I didn't get and understand psychologically. So I started educating the, the couples that would come into my office about this. And I thought, gosh, is there some way I could get this message out bigger? Can I, can I make a bigger impact on this community that I'm so passionate about and that I love? And so in the deer blind, I kind of thought, hey, I want to start a company. I want to start maybe something to impact this community. And so on the five-hour ride home from the hill country back up to North Texas, where I live, my husband and I started talking about it. And he was 100% behind me because we had started to realize the way that we were being impacted. So that's the 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 actually the short version of how it came about. And so we named it Code 4. Code 4 stands for everything's all clear. Uh, code 3 is lights and sirens, the something's burning down. Code 4 is the all clear. So we called it Code 4 Couples and in essence saying like, hey, you're a couple that's all clear. You're good. And you work to stay, you work to stay clear. And so that's how I came about. And it's... <laughs> Originally, I wasn't sure what exactly it was. I started with a podcast, and I know one of your questions was, why a podcast? And I really thought about this, and we have, our lives are very busy because most of the time we are alone. There's a lot of spouses that are running the household by themselves with their kids, running everybody around while their spouse sleeps or is on shift. And then you have 
a lot of officers that are alone on shift at night. And so I thought, you know, a podcast is a way to reach all of them because a lot of times we get in the car, we throw on a podcast, we're cleaning house, we listen to a podcast, at least I do. Maybe I'm, you know, but I think a lot of us kind of listen, you know, we've become a more audible or audio, <laughs> not trying to plug a plug anything there, but we listen a lot. You know, I don't read a whole lot of books. I listen to books now. And so it was a way to access and share information and people. I think the other thing aspect about it was sharing my personality and sharing my emotion and feelings that doesn't necessarily come through in a blog. So Felt like I could connect more with my audience that way. And that's how it's grown. The mission. I was just going to say, I mean, I think that you said a subtle thing, which I think is so powerful when trying to decide mediums to go into, which is, I think it's that trying to figure out what is your comfort level, but then ideally also trying to align it with your potential audience. Like how would they be consuming that content, right? You just described it so magically where a lot of folks are isolated and how do you reach someone that's isolated, right? Or someone that's on duty and they're going right there. They may not necessarily have the time to watch YouTube videos, right? Yeah. Or, you know, a lot of times they're listening to the radio station or something in their car. So it's besides the, you know, dispatch. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. Uh, I interrupted you. So you said- um, I was just to say, so- uh, yeah, I, I didn't know where I was going. Now I've become more clear over the past three years. Actually, I guess we're going on four now. I really launched it in, what do I want to say, in earnest in 2017 after the shooting in Dallas. And and that's really where I was like, okay, I I really need to get this going because I was kind of doing it half-heartedly before then um, for, for a year. This is the shooting at El Centro or? Yes, yes. So now- my mission really for Code 4 is to help law enforcement couples have uh, connected and thriving relationships. So to feel connected and resilient, I could not remember that word. So connected and resilient relationships, because part of it is the idea of, you know, normalizing their experience, educating them on all the things that I had no idea about, that it's not about sucking it up. It's about understanding and empathy and both partners seeing they're part of that and then empowering them to have the tools that they need to make sure that when they leave the law enforcement community or while they're in the law enforcement community, that they don't become callous, that they can be human and kind of humanizing what their life, because that negative filter, if they're in that negative filter all the time, every day, then it just corrodes who yeah. they are and, and the yeah. family. Right. Absolutely. Well said. Yeah. It impacts them. It impacts their loved ones as well. Mm-hmm. And this ecosystem they're in outside of work. Absolutely. Uh, so code for couples has evolved, which, you know, all businesses evolve and mm-hmm. you put these things out. You said earlier that, you know, one thing you've often struggled with is just fears and fears of even showing up and feeling like this is your calling, right? Mm-hmm. I would imagine that fear probably came up like crazy. What do you mean? Like you are going to now be this person that works with this very specific niche and serves them. Yes. Right. You said, you know, one of the things is you try to understand the purpose of the fear and you have these defined steps, right? So guide us even through some of that. Like as as code for couples came, what were the fears that came up? 
what did you see the purpose of that fear? And then like even, and then what are those steps that you take to actually like navigate through that? I kind of thought about, okay. And, and I've, I've been asked this question before, like, how do you keep doing that thing? And I've really thought about it. And I think the first thing that I do, I, I already mentioned earlier is that I, I have to have purpose for the pain because my, <laughs> my uncomfortableness is my pain. So it's that idea of like, Ugh, anxiety, you know, wanting to shut down, throw up, whatever. It's so much easier to just stay in my office or at home in bed, not put myself out there. So it has to be bigger than me is what I've kind of felt like is that that has to have a purpose. What's the purpose for doing this thing that we want to do? And I guess it was two years ago. I mean, I've, it's I've kind of already had that, but when I read Man's Search for Meaning, it really clicked in me. And I'm like, yes, that's it. Like I'm going, I mean, not that my struggle is his struggle, but just the struggle of going like, what's the purpose for the struggle? And so for me, as I've gone through it, having a purpose of like educating helping to get it out there. One of one of my biggest fights is the divorce myth that there's this myth out here that 75% of law enforcement officers get divorced and it's crap. There's actually no facts that support that in the research studies that I've read that there's nothing to substantiate it. It's actually at or below the national level. And so it's it's something that is used to threaten our community, to breed fear into it. And that wasn't okay with me. It wasn't okay with me for to live the life I was leading. And so deciding like on a small platform and then a bigger platform and continuing to challenge myself, I speak at, I got jumped out of my comfort zone one day and I was like, screw it. I actually use more colorful language, but screw it. I'm going to apply at the International Association of Chiefs of Police Conference. And then I got accepted and wanted to throw up. You know, it's those kinds of things where it's like, okay, I'm going to do it. But the purpose is like, okay, they don't know this information and putting myself out there. But I'm not a police psychologist. You know, I'm, I hate to say it this way. You know, I'm just a lowly master's degree girl. But that's kind of how like that thinking that I need to, that I always try to run through my head is it's like, that's kind of the second part is that it's like, well, I have a unique perspective. I have information that maybe somebody else doesn't have, or maybe they have information, but maybe the way I say it is different. And so once again, that goes along with my purpose, that maybe my purpose is to share it in a specific way. Maybe my purpose is to share my story. So somebody else, who has a similar story can hear it. I really, I love the fact that you were saying like the impact and it's, it's really for me about how do, how do I make those ripples go out? Like maybe somebody can hear something from me that then impacts somebody else that then impacts somebody else. And if they never get to me, that's fine. But I have to be willing to make myself uncomfortable if I'm going to make an impact or have a purpose for that community or for whatever I'm going to do. So that purpose is number one, that I, the purpose has to be bigger than the pain that I'm going to experience. So that's the first part. The second part for me is accepting that failure is a part of life. It's a part of the journey. I recently did a keynote for Texas Counseling Association and 
my whole keynote was about the journey of human and plugging in the hero's journey. Um, I just forgot the guy's name, but uh, plugging in the heroes. Uh, no, 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 no. Even before that. Uh, dang it. It's okay. It'll I'll come it to us. It'll come to okay, us after yeah. the interview, of course. <laughs> Joseph Campbell. Joseph Campbell. That's what I was thinking of. Joseph Campbell's the hero's journey. He's kind of the, he didn't, he wasn't the one who like figured it out, but he's the one who's known for popularizing it. But taking that hero's journey as our own journey and that we are called to, to step out of our comfort zones. And when we're called to step out of our comfort zones, that maybe there'll be some guides along the way for us. And so I look for my guides. I look for the people that can help me and support me and my posse or tribe or however you want to say it, that comes along with me and supports me. And then I, if I think of it as a hero's journey, then I know there's going to be challenges and I know there's going to be like the abyss, but in the abyss, there's growth and we come out of it. And so part of that concept for me is that, okay, I'm going to stumble. I'm going to fail. This isn't going to be perfect. And that that's a part of human nature. And that took me a long time to come around to. Kristen Neff talks about this idea of common humanity, that as humans, we all struggle. Like what we connect in is struggle. And so once I got it into my bones and kind of understood, because along the way, I had some big struggles that I didn't want to share because I was afraid of being judged. And once I came around to the idea that, okay, this, this is a part of being human. It's a part of living life. And I can choose to either live it or really stay safe. And staying safe was good, but it wasn't fulfilling me in the way that I wanted to be fulfilled. I felt like there was this part of me that I wasn't embracing. And that's the, you know, the idea of Biff. So I had to, I had to understand that like failure was a part of it and it's okay because we all fail. We all struggle. We all fall down and go boom. Um, and we have, we get up and we learn from it. It doesn't mean that it needs to weigh us down. It doesn't have to be shame. Uh, so learning from it, growing from it is something that I had to learn in order to be able to get out of my comfort zone, to kind of embrace Biff, to move forward with that. And then the third part is to reframe. I've reframed so much. I have anxiety and I've had anxiety probably since middle school. Um, my brother and I now talk about it, you know, a lot. And we're like, ah, oh, that's where it comes from. Because we realized that my mom probably has some anxiety too. Um, but anxiety for me was something that stopped me. I'm like, okay, no, that's scary. Don't do it. And what I realize now is I've reframed it. And when I feel anxious, when I feel scared, I realize that it's my body trying to protect me from something that, that appears scary and that I can cognitively make a choice. Is this something I want to do or is there really something to be scared about? Is it really, is there something really fearful here, right? It's not like giant grizzly bear going to, you know, take my face off or something. Um, and so I've really learned to reframe that fear. And my friend Kate Walker, who's here in Texas, said, oh my gosh, Cindy, I've got a perfect hashtag for you. And I'm like, what? And she's like, fear's your love language, girl. And I'm like, oh, yes. And so that I've just embraced that hashtag. Hashtag now, and I'm like, hashtag fears my love language because 
it it indicates for me that this is something of value and importance. And, and I feel this way because it is valuable and important or it's exciting. Many times I've interpreted excitement incorrectly as anxiety because it kind of feels the same way in your body. So I've really had to get out there and go, okay, you know what? Fear is just my body telling me this is, this is something really important to me. And so I say like fear is my love language and I reframe it. And those are, that's kind of my, my three steps that I think have really helped me to move to a different place. Yeah. I mean, it's just like so beautifully said, like, I love the three steps. It reminds me of, man, I'm just going to like, I just had a Bronnie Ware, who's a, she's a palliative care nurse. She interviewed Mm. like hundreds of people on their deathbed about, and asked them what their like biggest regrets in life were. And the most common regret was basically that. I lived a life that others wanted, uh, like others expected of me not and not what I wanted. You oh, know? Yeah. And so mm-hmm. this is, I don't know, when you were talking about that, like it reminded me of that. And one of the things I've even done this year is like take those like five insights that, you know, the five conclusions she came up with, the five regrets and kind of reword it. And the one I, I thought when you were speaking was the very first one, which is for me is, you know, Mel, create the life, the schedule, the focus that you want and not what others expect or are doing. Otherwise you'll be chasing expectations you'll never catch. Oh, wow. Yes. So that's awesome. Yeah. I mean, yeah, no, I think, um, I mean, you said that like so well and I think, right. And especially uh, I resonate with that because I'm as someone who also struggles with anxiety, it's so easy when any sign of anxiety comes up, we attribute it to fear and like, oh, Mm -hmm. bad, bad, bad. And just a way of like Mm -hmm. subtle, there's subtle, like distinguishing anxiety and excitement. And I really like that and appreciate you like articulating that so well. Thanks. Yeah. Cindy, I'm grateful for our time. I time flew and uh, (laughs) where, where can we learn more about you, about the practice and the awesome work that you're doing in the world? You can connect with me on my website, which is Cindy, which is C-Y-N-D-I doyle.com. There's a whole story about how I changed my name in high school because I wanted to be unique and different from Cindy to Cindy. So it went from C-I-N-D-Y, C-I-N-D-Y to C-Y-N-D-I doyle.com. And, or if you're interested in my work that I do with law enforcement, I actually have a book coming out next month too. Thanks. Another thing that I wanted to be like, but so my book is called Hold the Line, The Essential Guide to Understanding and Protecting Your Law Enforcement Relationship. And that is also on my code for number four couples.com website. Perfect. I'll link to it in the show notes and then definitely let me know when it's live and we can share with our colleagues as well. Okay. Thanks. Cindy, uh, grateful for our time and uh, have a great rest of your day. You too. Thank you so much. Bye. Hey there, hope you enjoyed my conversation with Cindy. And especially if you are in a season where you feel compelled and you feel this calling to serve in bigger and bigger ways, whether it is launching an online course, launching a podcast, doing speaking, writing a book, whatever that is. I hope that today's podcast session has just been really helpful for you. Um, I know that when I was having this conversation with Cindy, I think one of the things I just realized is how many of us, especially in our field, feel called to do bigger things, but how many of us really suffer in silence, you know, with that fear? Man, I don't know, I'm getting emotional about this, but I think uh, I'm getting emotional because I know this episode is like personal for me, you know, because 
even starting selling the couch, if I had listened to the rational and normal Mel, I would have honestly been working at a university counseling center and probably would have been like a director or an assistant director at this point and called it a day. There's no way that I would have launched selling the couch and, you know, and even had the privilege to grow it to where it is and to be able to serve each of you in this way. And so I just want to encourage you with this episode and help you think through what is your code for couples moment or what is your selling the couch moment and really taking a moment to to reflect on that. I mean, even if you need to pause this episode saying, so you can just journal and, and write some thoughts down, you know, feel free to do that. And then please feel free to join our community on Facebook, which is over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash community. Please feel free to share your fears and thoughts. And, you know, there's a bunch of just amazing folks there that have access to a lot of different resources and tools and strategies and really try to create a community that is inclusive and positive and all of those different things. Hey friends, we are on sabbatical from the STC podcast. This is my first sabbatical in seven years, but we will be back in April with brand new episodes of the STC podcast. In the meantime, there are a lot of things happening still with STC. Uh, Among them is a brand new workshop that we put together for you that you can sign up at a date and time that works for you. If you are a successful private practitioner and interested in launching an online course, you can check out that workshop over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash online course workshop. Again, that's sellingthecouch.com forward slash online course workshop. And as we wrap up, show notes to today's episode can be found over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash session and 269. And I just realized we've, if you actually look back at episodes from this year, big news. We have transcripts for each episode. This is actually something I've been wanting to do for a number of years. But as you know, as you may know, transcripts can get quite expensive. But I know that many of our colleagues, especially that are hearing impaired, don't get the chance to listen to this podcast. And I wanted to offer transcripts as a way to serve them and make sure that they have equal opportunities to succeed in private practice. And I know that for all of us, sometimes we may be in the middle of a just writing notes and listening to this podcast and we're like, oh man, what did Mel say? Or what did that guest say? And so you now have transcripts and so you can literally download it, copy, paste stuff, make your own notes, any of that kind of stuff to help you out. Now, we're still trying to figure out like the best way to present these, but the best way you can find them is if you go to sellingthecouch.com forward slash podcast, hit that button, and or if you're on a smartphone, if you just hit the description section for this episode, just toggle all the way down on that description and the transcript is copied and, and, and pasted there. So hope you find it helpful and Thank you for just the many ways that, you know, each of you guys support this podcast. So without you, none of this would be possible. And I'm just so grateful. Have a great rest of your day. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Selling the Couch podcast. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit www.sellingthecouch.com.
So if you've been listening to the STC podcast for a while, or you've been listening to podcasts and you've had this thought of, Mel, I would love to launch my own podcast in order to grow my business. Just wanted to encourage you to check out our free podcasting workshop, which is over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash podcasting workshop. You can basically sign up at a day and a time that works for you. It's 90 minutes. And when I do these workshops or when I record them, I truly believe in the quality teaching, so it's going to be well worth your time. We're going to go through gear recommendations and how to launch strategically and how to think about monetizing your podcast and how to line up your podcast with your existing offers and how to do it strategically and authentically uh, and not salesy and slimy um, and all of those things. So again, the link is over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash podcasting workshop.